Now, marathon have become very popular of late. Uh, major athletes have graced our streets, whether you do a typical 42-something case, a typical marathon, or you run an ultramarathon, Durban, Peter Marisberg, or vice versa, it's a feat of athleticism that cannot be explained. But what the bulk of us don't know, that marathon was not an idea to measure how fit one is and a fun of running for hours and hours alone. The birth of marathon was the death of a soldier. A war broke, the world war, and communication is not as you know it today. And the enemy is charging, vessel after vessel. They are docking uh, on the beaches. And all around, the soldiers have been at outposts. People are dying. And one brave heart realizes if I don't do something, our nation will be caught by surprise. We lose fathers, mothers, uncles, aunties, children, grandchildren, and society. Nobody have told him to run a marathon. It was his first and last. He took off and ran and ran, and ran, and ran. His lungs are burning. Lactic acid in his muscles almost killing him. And he ran, and he ran. And eventually he ran the 42 case and announced the news. The enemy have invaded our nation. He dropped and died. That is the beginning of marathon. It wasn't for fun. It was for salvation. And ever since people have been running to commemorate the brave soldier and to show the bravery and the feat of a human capacity. And years have gone by, people ran, they kept pushing the envelope. But in no time, no year, a human being has managed to run the 42 case in under two hours. A conclusion has been made by specialists that it's impossible to run 42 Ks under two hours. Until two years ago, a gentleman by the name of Eliud Kipchoge began to be bothered if the test to go. How did they come to a conclusion that it cannot be done? Now, we didn't know until two, two weeks ago. So, in a secrecy and in family meetings with his big brother, and this is his big brother's conversation interview, because if your brother does well, all of you win. <laughs> and then even those who didn't deserve an interview begin to be interviewed. And he said, I am not surprised that my brother did what he did, because for two years, he was talking about this thing all the time. That I will beat the two hours. Somehow, somewhere, someday. And then for two years, he's, he's working, he's pushing, he's driving, he's, he's pushing himself, he's eating well, he's, he's training hard. His purpose is to do this. And then he ran two hours and four seconds. When he did it, 
something in his spirit said, it can be done. And lo and behold, two weeks ago, for the first time in the history of marathon, a human being of African descent ran the marathon of 42 Ks in one hour, 59 minutes, and 40 seconds. That is Helios Kipchoge. Why did he do it? Because we are built to win. Come on, somebody give it to me. I need it, I need it. We are built to win. Here's the brother. Life will always tell you what you cannot do. If you pay attention to what life tells you. But your inner space will always tell you what you can do. If you pay attention to what it says. Isn't it amazing that your dreams are always bigger than your reality? I love those dreams where I become a millionaire. And I wake up and I go back to sleep and say, Lord, don't let it finish. Let me live in this space. Because there's something in a spirit that is bigger than the physical, environmental limitation. Until you challenge the preaching and the chatting that have been going on from your childhood, infancy, you will never know how to break into this. Would you turn to three or four neighbors and tell them, I am built to win. Listen, we live in democracy. You are free. If you sense that there is no anointing, you will never change. You cannot waste your speech to someone who is not anointed. Speak to the person behind you. I am built to win. No, listen, let, let's try. Let's try one more time. I don't think there's anybody around you and behind you worth your preaching. Can you preach to yourself? I am built to win. Now, if you believe that you're built to win, give him praise in the highest place. Come on, you can do better. So we're going to talk on the subjects built to win. And I will take you briefly in the world of David. Time will not allow us to go and, you know, give the background of the guy, the story, the many things that you faced that looked to be an impossible proposition and yet he rose above all these things and became the greatest king ever to lead Israel. And yet, studying the Bible for so many years, observing people's lives, uh, I was holding a meeting, conversation with some friends, that uh, it always baffles you. I grew up with a friend who came from a super poor family. You know, this kind of poverty, that poor is not enough. You have to remove one all. Poor. You know, so it's, 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 it's below poor. And your biggest dream is, how can I be promoted to poor? Every time we have school holidays, he had nowhere to go on vacation. He had literally, as young as he was, either to go to people's places to cut grass and do menial jobs to get some crumbs to survive the next year of school. Or if my mom is in good mood, 
I will convince her to bring the guy at my house. And the guy went to be the longest serving minister of infrastructure in the nation. That's a place to applaud. Because you are built to win. So therefore, people have a remarkable ability. If not robbed of identity and creativity, I believe that the biggest robbers are not those who are robbing banks. If someone can enter your brain and steal creativity from you, steal your identity from you, they've robbed more than the bank. I tell people, you can steal money from a businessman, but the brand that makes money is still with him. Yes. But if you can preach to me long enough that I'm a monkey, and you end up convincing me that I came from a monkey, no surprising that I'll do the monkey stuff. The devil is a liar. Yeah. You are built to win. Yeah. Your identity is intact. Your creativity juice is still flowing. You will become all that God has intended for you to be. Yeah. You cannot take a shower, dress, put your best perfume and come to church for nothing. This is a rendezvous with your divine God. Sleeping in one bedroom without a window, it's just a coma. Don't put full stop when God has put a coma. Don't make it your final eulogy when it's just the building of testimony. You can meet all of life's challenges with amazing success. That for me, is the biggest discovery. Especially us who are sons and daughters in this amazing movement, grace, Bible, family of churches. We can know that the impossible can be done. That God can do anything if you allow him to do. Now, the first trouble probably that you encounter in, in life as, as, as a species, as human, it's we are not really prepared properly to deal with what I call tripping point. Not tipping point, but tripping point. I will embrace tipping points all the time. But tripping points, nah, I don't like them. But you cannot escape because they are parts and parcel of life. What are those? People cannot manage well chaos. What throws us off balance, the number one culprit that destroys dreams and vision. We just came from, you know, uh, with the explosion, and then it was around the issue of vision. Fantastic lineup of speakers came and, and, and spoke day in and day out. But in the midst of chaos, many people destroy their dreams and vision. Because disorder, man is not created and trained and built to deal with chaotic situations. I learned as well from Professor Mungalo, some of you know him, he's on radio all the time, super, super professor, wonderful guy. He keeps saying, don't make a final decision over a temporary situation. Oh, let me try, maybe I'll leave a Christian right at the back. 
Don't make a final decision over a temporary situation. Never say over your life I will amount to nothing. The devil is a liar. You will become the biggest thing. I have seen sons and daughters of nobodies become somebodies. Every day life teaches us that people from villages are running our country. Majority of people who are our leaders didn't come from metropoles. They came from far remote places because life teaches you a major lesson. You are built to win. Next time, instead of going to watch Orlando Pirates lose again, oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, another team lose again, look yourself in the mirror and say, I am built to win. Now, why am I not afraid anymore of chaos? Because it's the stuff of Genesis 1. Bereshit introduces us to God. Creating and something going wrong. I don't know if he made it go wrong, it went wrong. We will never know. But the Bible says there was chaos everywhere. I never saw God go, oh my God, oh my God, what am I going to do? Oh my God, God never cried, oh my God. He just fixed the chaos. How did he fix it? Let it be. Could it be the reason why in the same chapter where there was chaos, God says, let's create man in our image? <laughs> That's first page of your Bible in our likeness. Welcome to the club of chaos. Chaos is a good thing. If you understand that it's not a death sentence. The second thing we don't deal with properly if we are not equipped and trained and that's why we come to church is crisis. Crisis is the number second issue, number two issue that trip people over and over again. I get it. There's no order, things are, you know, toe and all these things. But what about when a relationship atrocities so much goes south? But Genesis 3. What about the person I used to see every evening? A couple that was dear to me chose someone else over me. What do I do? There are women who have decided I will not, I will not love again. Because one man misbehaved. Listen, can I talk to you? You sister. Some of us are good men. Oh, let me try this. Sir. Let me try this. Sir. Some of us are good men. Don't discard all the men. Because of that guy. Let me try, let me try until I get some Christian in the house. Many years ago, <laughs> I bought a Mercedes, wonderful car. And I'm driving this thing, and I feel good. Two months into driving this car that cost me a lot of money, I began to notice something wrong. And I'm angry. 
And I take it back to Mercedes. And I go, what is this? Listen to what the Mercedes people told me. Sir, we are so sorry. Mercedes is the most reliable car. You just bought a bad apple. We will change it. You just fell in love with a bad apple. <laughs> That's all. All men are not bad. You are not meant to die single. That's why you want a man. So therefore, don't shut your heart because a man left. If he left, he left an opening. <laughs> Sisters, before you are too happy, let me talk to my brothers. <laughs> brothers, listen. Don't kill yourself too young because she ran away with another man. She was not in your category. Chill. Kiss her goodbye. Wish her well. There's better coming. Talking about crisis, you know, there's some, some stuff that gets you. Uh, you know, if I did some wrong stuff, I know, okay, because there was a season when our church started bleeding members at a very alarming rate. Bad. You know, we, we just bled members, you know, in a, in a big way. And I'm thinking, what is this now? Only to discover that the reason why people left our church it's because I was installed as a bishop. You know, when they install you as a bishop, they give you a long robe, a rope. <laughs> they give you like a souk, you know, that, that long pop type of head. And then, uh, and a staff. And the staff nearly killed the church. Because the members of church church concluded this guy had been initiated to some Eastern magic. He's a witch. Now, what started as a joy turned into witch? How do you sit under a witch ministry? People start running away from their lives. And I'm telling the Lord, listen, I was okay until you made me a bishop. Look now what you're doing to the church. <laughs> and the word the Lord spoke to me changed my perspective in times of crisis. He said, son, if I didn't trust you to win more souls, I was never going to allow this to happen. So you see, many times God trusts us more than we trust ourselves. Because we are built to win. Yeah. I start blessing them. And I go, Lord, just bless them. Let them, you know, connect to a, a living church and let them go to heaven. But as for me, I will win souls. Yeah. And they are coming. They are coming. They are coming. A crisis, we can't, we, most of the time, men don't manage with crisis. And the third one is complexity. People struggle with complex issues. Human brain are not wired and known to deal with complexity. It, it, it just throws us off of balance. I don't know, for you young people, maybe it doesn't apply, but for some of us who have clocked mileage, <laughs> Uh, you, you will find resonance. I tell people these days, you don't need to do anything, you don't need to fast, you don't need to pray, you don't need to, to provoke any war. 
All you need is to be alive. Just keep living and see what life will do to you. Just live. And I wrote a paper. I, I love that paper I wrote. You know, I, I feel good as, as an intellectual. <laughs> and it was a paper taken from Ezekiah, where it says, in the 14th year of Ezekiah's life, reign, there was invasion. So which means when he was ruling from year one to year 13, he never knew that there's year 14. There are things in your life will go well until year 14. Have you been in a situation where the car breaks? When you're trying to fix it, your fridge breaks. When you're trying to fix it, your child is hospitalized. When you're trying to fix her, your mama decides to die at the wrong time. Oh, I'm preaching to the wrong church. Let me try this. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. There are stuff in life that come from everywhere at the same time. These, for me, are the three things I've studied people and studied the Bible. But you're not good at handling. Chaos, crisis, and complexity. They tend to bring the worst out of us. But David has a different spin to this. And I want us to, to read loud and clear. Psalm 139, verse 14, from New Living Translation. That's, that's the best, you know. There could be other translations, but I've, I've combed many. This speaks well. And I want you to read it in a Christian, Pentecostal, charismatic, black, African, tongue-talking, spirit-filled, demon-chasing kind of way. You know. you know when black people talk? They don't talk to each other, they shout to each other. And they're, they're just next to each other. So let's read that one. Okay. One, two, three. No, 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 no. You are too tense. Read it properly. One, two, three. Listen. You are not thanking God for making your neighbor. You are talking about you. So you should bring life into the reading. One, two, three. well I know it David is saying in the face of all the trouble that I'm facing in the face of all the challenge and the chaos and stuff I know and I know and I know and the devil knows that I know that I'm a fearfully and wonderfully made somebody I'm a winner hallelujah come on give him praise But what makes David declare those stuff? Let's start with some funding from the Stanford Research Institute. It's a huge statement they've put, and I want us to read together. Only 12,5% of our success in life is determined by knowledge. With the 87,5% come from attitude. <laughs> Oh, take time, take time, take time to think about it. Which means attitude will always trump aptitude. Thank you for those weak amen. I'll try again until you respond like Keptonians. Attitude will always trump aptitude. Aren't you shocked that people with degrees serve people who are degreeless? This is my accountant. She's doing all my books. Accountant, you've spent five years at university. All your clothes are worn out by sitting on that bench. And the books you are doing it for someone who did grade two. Oh, let me try, let me try, let me try. Let me try, let me try this side, let me try this side. Let me try this side. I'm prophesying, some grade two will employ some accountant. There's nothing wrong with study. 
12.5% is a good one, but just the 87.5. While you are building your knowledge, build your attitude, your mindset, the way you look at yourself. I am built to win. I'm a unique masterpiece. I'm a woman. I'm more than a man, which is I'm a man with a womb. Come on, please. Can, can we talk? Can we talk? Because that's the, that's the word woman. A man with a womb. Now, you, instead of apologizing, it should give you a leverage. Number one, I'm a man. Two, I have what he doesn't have. A womb. I'm a man with a womb. Womb man. You're doing this to me just because I'm a woman. Being a woman is not weak. You are more because you're a man with a womb. It's an attitude issue. When God gives you vision and dreams, He doesn't give you female dreams. This, this is not spiritual. There's nothing to, to do with spirituality. It's just for fun. I'm in a good mood. <laughs> way, way back, you know, I, I was living in uh, Hillbro. And then for people who know Ponte, Ponte was rough. You know, 30, 32, 30, uh, you know, 30, 33 years ago, it was a rough place. Rough. Gangsters were there. Mugging people, beating people for nothing. And then there was a woman living in that Ponte thing. She had one mission. She will go in that park looking for gangsters for one reason, to beat them up. <laughs> she will just go out and beat the gangs. When they see her coming, they take off. What a woman. Hallelujah. But it's an issue of attitude. And what Stanford Research Institute have discovered, David discovered it long time ago. That I am a winner. I am built to win. Chaos, crisis, and complexity is nothing. In me, there's more than what is coming against me. Now, let's dig into this. But what gives to David this confidence? Number one, God's comprehensive knowledge. That is the biggest leverage you have in life. If you're a child of God, this thing makes a difference. The Bible says God is all-knowing. Simply means he knows everything. Right? Now, stay with me, stay with me. God knows everything. But the God who knows everything knows me. You can do better, you can do better. Because that's the start of Psalm 139. Oh God, you know me. You the all-knowing God, you know me. There's a difference between knowing somebody and that somebody knowing you. All of us can pride ourselves that you know President Siri. But he doesn't know from a soap. Bar of soap. He has no clue who you are. Even if you passed he will not even notice you. I know, our president, he was in our church. Our, our president, I even greeted him. He doesn't remember you. <laughs> he doesn't even know if he ever met you. Have you been around someone you saw? You're so excited to see them, they go, remind me again. <laughs> so embarrassing. But David says, I don't know God. 
He. Come on. He knows me. I told a friend in the early service, you know, this is my little secret. I have secret service planted all over your church. And then every Sunday, they report to me what is going on here. I live in Cape Town. And they report to me days where the bishop mentioned my name. A bishop, he mentioned you again today in his preaching. Man. <laughs> oh, man. Man. I feel special. The big bishop, handsome, anointed, the, the trailblazer, knows. He knows. Him and I. Now, I tell everybody, this man on TV, the guy, and even those who don't know, I repeat, all my three children wedding, he did. Because there's a difference between somebody you know and somebody who knows you. And David is telling you, the God who knows everything knows you. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, even if you don't know my name, I don't care. The one bigger than you, better than you, knows me by name. He knows my address. He knows everything about me. Come on, give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That makes a difference. But David doesn't stop there. He said, the God who knows everything knows me. But he doesn't just know me. He knows everything about me. You see now? You see now what you're doing to me? You see now? So therefore, it's a simple mathematics. If God is all-knowing, if he knows me, if he knows all the stuff I'm struggling with, and yet he knows the answer to those struggles, he is my friend. Because you have mentioned the presiding bishop, in his own quiet way, he will tell me again and again, hey, bishop, listen, if you need anything, just let me know. And I know he means it. The reason I haven't asked yet, because I'm keeping the big one. <laughs> if I start asking too much, you will be tired. So I'm waiting, and I go, remember what you told me? <laughs> now is the time for you to move. Yeah. That is your first leverage. Your attitude should be affected with the issue of God's comprehensive knowledge. The one who knows everything knows me. He knows everything about me, and he knows how to deal. Now, this is the secret. Every solution to human being issues he has put in a book called the Bible. What is your problem? You struggle with life because you're not acquainted with the book. I think it's in Romans chapter 3 where Paul, you know, Paul is a huge theologian. He's debating. He's thinking to himself. And he goes, wait a minute. What is the biggest advantage of being in covenant with God? You know, what, what makes us be special? He goes, I get it, I get it, I get it. First and foremost, the word of God has been entrusted to us. Now, the biggest advantage of being Christian, the wisdom of God is on your lap right now. Use it. Use it. Let me speak to some of you, my son, black brothers. 
sorry to single you out. The Bible says a borrower will always, not sometimes, not most of the time, always be a slave to the lender. It's not cool to drive a car that belongs to the bank. It's not. This is why you have to wise up. Who am I trying to impress while I'm killing myself? You cannot make 50K and then take home 2,000. Because everything is pay, pay, pay. Listen, anybody who have bought car through credit, the day you finish the payment is the day they put your name. Many times, the name that is there is Susan. Or Pretorius. The last time I checked, your name was Butelezi. How, how, how is Susan on this? Because it's not your car. If you can just listen to Papa God, who says piety with contentment is a source of great gain. I'm making 50K. If I can save for a while, I can go for Toyota. That will not cost me much. And drive that car, peace of mind. I know you will not applaud, but I'm, I'm just trying. I'm just trying, you know. Who knows? Why did I preach this? I think it's prophecy. <laughs> Number two, God's constant presence. David says the second thing that gives us supernatural ability that is in us, regardless of chaos, crisis, and complexity, is God is constantly present with us. He says, when I run into the darkest darkness, it becomes light. When I start to go to the furthest place in the world, before I get there, I find you waiting for me. Now, what you don't understand about God, God is not a friend who jumps sheep when you're in trouble. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Where were they? Come on, somebody preach to me. Where were they? In what? Real fire or spiritual fire? Fire for real. Where was God? You didn't believe in the one who jumps and say, I'm praying for you. <laughs> Just hold on, hold on. I'll get you out of it. Hold on. You know, I'm trying to change the king's heart, but you will come out of it. When you're in trouble, God is in trouble. Now, this is theologically co complicated, but let me throw it for the new generation. I've said it in the past. When you understand the cross, you are free for the rest of your earthly life. Essentially, God cannot die because God is life. But because you were dead to sin and God doesn't let go of his relationships, he had to follow us in death. There was a collusion between life and death. When life and death achieve permanent death, permanent life, when they collide, one of the two elements has to change its nature. Let's try. Let's try this side. The preaching of the cross is the most misunderstood preaching. Life took a decision to meet death head on. Took a risk. From now on, death will rule 
or life will rule, not both. And since Jesus went into death and yanked the keys of death, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, Oh death, where is your power? If God could go to death for you, he can go to any extent for you. That makes God special. That makes God special. I've got girls, they're grown-ups, and I've got a boy. My daughters and my son, you touch them, I stop being a, a, a bishop. That's the first thing that I'll stop. Bishop gone. Pastor gone. Christian gone. Now. And I will show you scars on my hands. It came from years and years of boxing. I know. <laughs> I know how to do things. Can we take it down for this? And this is what God is telling you. Because I'm always with you, there's nothing in your life where I will ever be spectator. That will never happen. Come on, give him praise. Come on, give him praise. So therefore you begin to learn. There's no aspect of your life where God will just watch and say, let's see how they will come out of it. Is there. But number three is complete power. David in Psalm 139 is dealing with three attitude changer. Say the reason why I'm wonderfully complex. Other versions say fearfully and wonderfully made. It's number one. I am a recipient of his comprehensive knowledge. Number two, I am a beneficiary of his constant presence. But number three, his complete power is at my disposal. The word power is a huge, wonderful word. Because power is just ability to make things happen. That I don't know if you have cash or you are cashless. Do you have some money? Because some of you come to church, you have suits, but you have nothing. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. So, oops, that. Yeah, I think it's something that you owe to someone. <laughs> this is good. Uh, any Christian who have 100 rand? First row, 100 rand. Now it's time to expose you. Some people say, can I go sit at the back? <laughs> no, 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 not 50s. Not, 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 not. Uh, yeah. Remember which you gave to me, otherwise the Lord takes it. Can I have now a proper Christian worth 20 rand? <laughs> you know, because when you start going low, the Christians start showing up. 20 rand. Don't, don't be shy. I know, I know this is where Barzalwani move a lot. Now a real, real Christian. Ten rand. Ten. Come on, please. You start passing it. Can you give it? Thank you, sir, for being courageous and showing to me that you're a human being like us. Now I'm holding in my hands power. This is not money. It's power. Why do I call it power? Because these things have ability to make things happen. But it's power at different levels. All of them are power. But they have power at different levels. 
you help me. If all I have is this, what can I move? Come on, somebody say, say something, ladies, particularly you. What can, can someone say? Ice cream. Okay, that's good. So, I need the ice cream. This is able to move ice cream from where it is to where I want. Where does this lose its power? Give me some, an item that this is, is bread, yes. Because bread now it's 14 something and then it's going up. Once I move from ice cream to bread, this becomes powerless. Now, powerless doesn't mean no power. It's powerless. Now this champion comes. Can it move bread? Oh yeah. If it's in between the two of them, this will feel so big because it can do what this cannot do. Don't play with me. I move bread. <laughs> you cannot come to our camp. Talk to me about something that this baby cannot do. What? Eggs. A burger. Oh man. You know, everybody eats here around here. Burger. Once you go to the burger, 20 loses its power. It becomes powerless. The big brother comes. Can this Zolani move burger? Oh yeah. If it's only a competition between these three, this is a major player. Don't play with me. We move at burger level. <laughs> and these two can be impressed because they've never been there. Talk to me about something that this one loses power over. We? We've. Oh, no, 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 no. You've gone beyond. I don't think there's a baby. Yeah, get, get me something that's, that is, because this, there's no one that has power. Take, tell me something that goes beyond this power. What? Okay, whatever you said, I don't know what you said, but. Chicken. Yes. It becomes powerless. Then the big brother comes. It can move chicken. It feels special because it moves what this, that, and that cannot move. Tell me something that this one is stuck from. Huh? What is it? Lipstick. Oh, yeah. Good. I like it. I like it, ladies. When it comes to lipstick, it becomes powerless. And then we have this one. So since you mentioned this, I suspect it can move lipstick. Good. All of them have some power. But all of them are limited in their power. The one you belong to, the one you belong to is called powerful. Meaning what? Throw to me anything, any cost, any time. I, the Lord, can deal with it. That is the story. So, never confuse God with your degree. Your degree is a limitation. Never confuse God with your connections. Your connection may fail. God is all powerful. We don't have time. I can brag about God.
God is so God that sometimes for fun, he just gathers 20,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. It's okay. Feed them. Sometimes God just feels good when he's in good mood. He just goes, listen, you will cross the sea. No bridge, no carrier, just walk. Now, I know you theologians, sometimes you go crazy. You know, some people try to catch us. Oh, but now that place of the sea is the shallow place. That's even a bigger miracle. Because Pharaoh and his army drowned. So if God can make a Pharaoh drown in a shallow place, that's a powerful God. Now, the last one. What about Jericho? Where was Rahab's house? On the corner of the wall. When the wall collapsed, which house was not damaged? How did he do it? You engineers and architecture don't think you're a big deal. We have a God of precision who can make collapse the big structure and keep the weak one intact. What is the point I'm driving? Let your attitude toward God change. Because that's what makes us powerful. We will face chaos, crisis, and complexity like any other human being. But you are not like them. Because within us, there's God's comprehensive knowledge. God's constant presence. And God's complete power. That makes the difference. How do you behave? Okay, time to give back power according to what you gave. Ten red power. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Twenty red power. Thank you, sir. And you're wearing Kese Chief's color. Don't, don't, don't let us down, please. This is wrong for Kese Chief. Fifty red power. No. Oh, it, it's, it's part of you. 100 rand power. It's you again. And then the real McCoy. Brother, I thought you say, you know, since it's in your hand, keep it. Ah, no way. Hey, man. How do we close this then? Because we have one minute left. Simple. When David reflected through Psalm 139, he came to a simple conclusion. Why this mightiness of God doesn't show up most of the time? That was the debate of Psalm 139. If I'm wonderfully complex, if I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, what makes God to not show up in the reality of my life the way it should? And David concludes, say, I know. The primary thing is if I don't appreciate God, I block the flow. That's the first thing. You want the mighty flow of God to come through you, learn to appreciate God daily. The Bible says in all circumstances, do what? give thanks when you don't thank you when you have thank you when someone dies thank you when someone is born thank you when a friend is gone thank you when it's chaos thank you learn to appreciate you're educating yourself that nothing is beyond my God that's what David says the second thing David says, associate with God. If you don't associate with God, you stop the flow of that mightiness of God to show up. 
And David asked a simple question. How can I be friends of your enemies? How can I love those who hate you? He's a poet. What he's saying, you know, James picks up in the New Testament. He said, friendship with this world is enmity against God. You cannot be a child of God and love the sin at the same time. You cannot come and lift your hand in church and when you go out, you are in fight, you are in conniving, you are in sexual immorality. It cannot flow. It cannot. It cannot. And then the third thing David says, you must align with God. Find an alignment where David says, Search me, oh God, search me. Know my heart. If I'm out of sync with you, bring me in the path of righteousness. David says in that psalm, the reason certain people, though potentially they have inherent power, ability to overcome anything, but it doesn't work for them, it's because they posture vis-a-vis God is faulty. Until you think you stand to lose more by not being good with God, you will struggle when you have no business struggling. Life is not about what is happening, but it's about in what state am I to allow the flow of God to deal with issues. Did you learn something today? Would you bow your heads? Thank you, mighty God. Father, as we come to the conclusion of our just exploration of this wonderful psalm in resonance with the whole word explosion, talking about vision, what makes vision come to pass, what makes vision to abort. Things that your people have shared with us over and over again. Father, we came to remind each other that the way God you have designed us, we are built to win. The very concept of winning of God has to do with challenges Opposition and all these things, those are not the biggest deal. The biggest struggle, it is our posture vis-a-vis you. So today our head about our eyes closed. Soon you will be released. You will go to your daily activities. But the question I'm asking you, when you leave this place, can you say in your heart of hearts, God is my Lord. If it's not, it's a time to make a decision. I have come to realize many times people struggle over petty things. If I go to the front, what will people say? If people see me receive Jesus Christ, what will it be? Listen, you are here for your own salvation. Never worry about people. You could have come last Sunday. You could have come another day. God wanted you this day because he wanted to remind you you were built to win. And don't let things that stop you from being a winner interfere. You know that you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But you feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit calling you again and again. Open up to me, please. Or, probably worst of all, you used to be a child of God, but for some reason, you turn your back against God and you begin to run your own life as though God never existed. But today, God called you back home. If that's you, and you sense that you want to receive him as Lord and Savior and recommit your life to the Lord, would you lift up your hand where you are? It's a sign of acceptance, but it's a sign of humility. That I know only God can fix. Would you lift up your hand where you are? Don't worry about people around you. 
I know you came. It's a rendezvous. Anybody in this room who is not born again yet and you want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, lift up your hand. I see a hand going up. I see another hand going up. I see another hand at the back. I see another hand going up. Hands are going up all over the place. I see another hand over there. Don't listen to your head. Your head will always mess up with you. Your heart is telling you, make a decision. Because only through choices and decisions that people decide destiny. Don't suffer for nothing. Simply because you want to be macho and proud. Thank you. Another hand right in front. We will close soon. But we don't want to leave, leave you behind. We don't want to finish the church saying just we went to church. We, we heard the preacher saying stuff. But you said that was a turning point for me. A moment of truth. Where the real potential in me came out. Because I decided to start my life with God. Lift up your hand too. I know you are here. Because the spirit of God cannot lie. He cannot tell me there's still someone who's struggling with receiving. I want you to overcome that terror. Lift up your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see hands going up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All of you brothers and sisters who lifted your hands, I believe with everything in me. You didn't do it based on somebody closing his eyes. That's cheap salvation. You did it because you decided in your heart of heart. Whether people have their eyes wide open or not, it's irrelevant to you. For you, it's I want to start afresh and align my life with God. Would you stand to your feet? Take your private belonging and come to the front as a symbol of joining me and saying, Lord, it's you. Thank you. Thank you. They are coming. Ushers, can you usher them to the front? Thank you. Thank you. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Don't worry about anybody. Keep coming. Young and old. Young and old. Keep coming. All of you at the back, we're waiting for you. Come. You are not too far.